The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. Some years ago, 1990 I think it was, there were three of us priests from the Diocese of Raleigh who were in Rome to visit one of our seminarians. It was in December, and we were there for the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. We had hoped for an audience with the Pope, but we were able at least to get tickets to the Mass at St. Mary Major that afternoon. It was very impressive. And we had good seats, too, right behind the altar. Although... Every now and then, before the Mass began, we noticed that for us ordinary priests, every time a Monsignor walked in, one of us got bumped. However, we managed to make the cut. At the end of Mass, I noticed an elderly Italian priest who was very intent upon where he was going. And I thought, if he knows where he's going, we probably need to follow him. So we latched onto him and followed him. He took us into the sacristy of St. Mary Major, and there are a lot of other clergy standing around there, priests, bishops, archbishops. But at a moment like that, What's an archbishop? Even the archbishop of Prague. So we stood there for a short time, and very shortly, at the very other end of the sacristy, a door opened. And Pope John Paul II walked out in his white cassock and his red cloak. Everything stopped. The room came to a hush, and nobody's eyes were anywhere except on the Pope. There was a presence in the room. He was there. Nothing else seemed to matter. He went around and spoke to every single person in the room, wishing us a happy Christmas. It was a powerful moment, but perhaps you've had that experience in your own life. 
And all of a sudden, somebody enters the room and everything changes. It might be someone you love, someone who's famous in the eyes of the world. It might be somebody whom you don't particularly like, but that person has a certain presence and you're aware of them being there. But I thought to myself later on, the whole room, the whole sacristy came to a halt. This was only for a pope. Granted, in some ways he's the most powerful man on earth, and the vicar for Christ and the successor of St. Peter, but still only a pope compared to this gospel. This gospel is far more powerful than we usually think, the visitation. It seems like a rather pious moment in the gospel, doesn't it? The Blessed Mother goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's up in years and well past the age of childbearing. She goes bearing our Lord, and Elizabeth is expecting St. John the Baptist, an act of charity. She's bearing the Lord, and naturally she's driven out, as we are when we bear the Lord inside of us. We're driven out of ourselves. But it's far more than that. At that moment, one could say, the four most important people, not only in the history of the, of the earth, or the world, but in the history of the cosmos, in all creation, are together in one room. Our Lord, the Blessed Mother, St. John the Baptist, and Elizabeth, Four of them in one place. It's really amazing to think of it. Blessed Mother, as I said, is bearing our Lord within her. That in itself is something. When our Lord came to earth, he didn't come with thunder and lightning as he might have come. He came the way we came. Through the womb. Through the womb. Unnoticed. In the eyes of the world, these people meant nothing. They're insignificant. And yet, the whole cosmos is dependent upon them. St. John of the Cross put it very well in one of his simple poems in a good translation. He said, Then he sent for an archangel, St. Gabriel, and when he came, sent him forth to find a maiden. Mary was her name. By Mary and with her own flesh, he was clothed in his own frame, both son of God and son of man, together bore one name. It's unthinkable. The Son of God and the Son of Man bear one name, one person taking a human nature in the womb of this young virgin. Think of it. We're so used to it. It doesn't surprise us anymore, does it? And John the Baptist, here you have these two children in the womb. And yet, in some primitive, instinctive way, John the Baptist senses the one who is to come, and he leaps in his mother's womb. The two of them are in the same room for the first time, these two priests for the first time. John the Baptist, an Old Testament priest, who as far as we know, never, as I've mentioned before, never actually offered sacrifice. And our Lord, the high priest, John the Baptist, who comes from a race 
The Jewish priesthood, like the pagan priesthood, offered up something distinct from itself. Bull, cow, whatever it might be. But the high priest comes in to offer up himself. He's the victim as well as the priest to offer the final and ultimate sacrifice. They're together in the room for the same, at the same time, for a short time anyway, and their lives are intertwined. There's something else about these four, though, particularly three. They have all come to do the will of another. That's something different for us, isn't it? They've all come to do the will of another. The Son comes to do the will of the Father. The Blessed Mother comes because of the archangel telling her what she's going to be, the will of God, the will of the Father as well. St. John the Baptist comes to do the will of God. Whatever that might be, to be the the precursor of our Lord. Elizabeth, of course, is the mother. Zachary had failed and was mute. They've come to do the will of another. And it's in that that they are able to carry out their mission in life. I think sometimes we forget that in our own lives. We don't want to do the will of anybody else except our own. We don't really seek out God's will, but we presume on our own will. In any event, they are there. And this short time that they're together is transformative. Blessed Mother wants to be kind to her cousin in her last three months of pregnancy. She's an old woman. So she goes for that time. What is St. Joseph doing during this time? We have no idea. Nor does it matter what he's doing. If it mattered, the gospel would have told us. St. Joseph is doing what St. Joseph is supposed to be doing. I suppose he's being a carpenter. Who knows what he's doing? That's what his job was. But it doesn't really matter because what's happening between the two of them is what counts at the moment. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to know, what they were doing. The Blessed Mother will then go home and go on these two having been together for a short time. Notice, too, that they are both people who have come to sacrifice themselves. John to sacrifice himself for our Lord, our Lord to sacrifice himself for all humanity. But we, as I said, experience that, too. When the Lord comes into us, we are radically different people, or should be radically different people, if we aren't. So, notice what Elizabeth says. How does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? But the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Notice Mary, Mary, was the, Mary took the initiative. Blessed are you who believed. Blessed are you, why? Because you believed that what was spoken by you, to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Her words, be done unto me according to thy word. I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Again, the will of another. And St. John the Baptist, I have not come to do my will, but the one who sent me. Our Lord says the same thing. And so it is with us, too. If we can only realize that, we'd be much happier people. Um, You know, um, the poet W.H. Auden had a reflection upon the Incarnation. He was trying to think about how we could be redeemed, because we couldn't do it. What could we do? Nothing could help us. We couldn't redeem ourselves. How can God redeem us? God's God. Remember, when our Lord came into the world, he and John the Baptist had a destiny. 
Up until that time, he had no destiny as God, because God doesn't have a destiny. God certainly is. But once he took our human nature, he had a destiny, which was to suffer and die for us. And John the Baptist had a destiny, too, to announce him, and then to suffer and die. But W.H. Auden asked, how can this happen? What can God do? We're helpless. As what he said, uh, was he was trying to think how God could do what God can't do. How God could bring about something that God could not ordinarily bring about. And he says, we who must die ask for a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act? The infinite become a finite fact. Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die ask for a miracle. What a powerful two lines, don't you think? Nothing can save us that is possible. He almost despairs. Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die ask for a miracle. And we got one. And we still have one, and we will have one for all eternity if we are willing to receive it and keep it. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son, preparing for his coming and trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, that her members will always be attentive to the will of God as it is made known to them. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, they will listen to the prophets sent to them by the church, preparing them for the coming of the Lord. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, they may know that they are proclaiming the coming of the Lord in their suffering, For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have ceased to prepare, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Greater respect for human life than this day in particular for life in the womb, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations of priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will have the courage to proclaim the will of God as they know it, as it is given to them, for a greater reverence for the witness of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord for our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that having spent time in the presence of the Lord, learning his will, they may then live that and proclaim it, we pray to the Lord. Lord for all those who are traveling at this time, especially our own parishioners, that they may travel safely, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed And for all of us here, we may be open to the working of God in our lives and to the will of God 
as it is proclaimed to us, we pray to the Lord. Lord, We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of God as we sing. 